This is episode 143 of the Dear Discreet Guide podcast. This episode is titled, Staying Cool Under Fire. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work, where we talk about work, working, and how to make work better. If it's work-related, we're on it. Who knew talking about work would be this much fun? I'm Jennifer Crittenden, a former CFO and host of the show, and thank you for joining our quest to improve our workplaces. Let's do this. In case you hadn't noticed, things are kind of fraught right now, as if uh, the time since the election of Donald Trump hasn't been controversial enough and full of enough mudslinging and name-calling. I see that we've arrived at yet a new level of uh, conflict and really poor behavior, I would say, on the part of a lot of people. And I think it's because we just haven't done a good job in training people about how to have difficult conversations, what the ground rules are for a real discussion where people learn from each other. And I was especially struck by a discussion that hit my uh, Nextdoor website where somebody posted a uh, piece of factual information about our school's opening. And wow, you know, the discussion just blew up amazingly. People are just slinging really mean comments back and forth to each other. And of course, in my neighborhood, both sides were claiming that they were on the side of science and numbers and, you know, facts. We're, you know, we're unlike everybody else. We're not dabbling in emotions. But of course, they are dabbling in emotions because your emotions and perhaps your genetic makeup are the things that drive you toward certain news articles or certain facts that appeal to you. I've been really struck by that over the last few months is how we gravitate toward information that reinforces our preconceived notions or or pre-held beliefs or even our personality or character, whether we're optimistic or frightened or kind of doomsayers or all the different things that make us interesting and unique, but when they come out in these ugly ways, it can be somewhat disheartening. I wanted to talk about this today in the light of when you yourself are on the receiving end of really, frankly, some poor behavior, accusations, uh, bullying, all kinds of terrible things that can happen to you online or in person. And there are ways to come out of those situations with your self-respect intact. And also, perhaps you can pat yourself on the back that you've handled a tough situation pretty well and maybe made the world a little bit better that at least you didn't make it worse by resorting to name-calling or, you know, kind of taking the low road and, and battling back. As I watch this pitch battle on next door, people slinging this, bam, you know, that at each other, and then bam, take that. I was thinking, you know, I think these people are going to get tennis elbow from uh, slinging this stuff back and forth. 
instead of engaging in tennis elbow provoking confrontational dialogue, perhaps we can engage in real dialogue and at least have some tools at your disposal for ways in which you can respond in a dignified way and perhaps an exemplary way uh, when you yourself are under attack. Some of this information comes from my book about executive presence or professional presence or just having a, a nice presence in general, your kind of your vibe, how you come across to people, and how you can strengthen that presence to give the impression that you want to give. So the book is titled You Not I, Exceptional Presence Through the Eyes of Others, and it's really about self-analysis and behavior modification. The book kind of culminates in chapter 10, which is performance skills, how others see us. And so there's a bunch of information there in general about performing in front of other people, uh, taking care of your audience, being wise as to uh, what they expect and what you intend to deliver. There's a little bit in there about dealing with interviewers, and some of that might come back a little bit later in this podcast. But there is a section in particular on staying cool under fire. And I'll start with a quote from Harrison Monarth, who wrote a book about executive presence. And his quote is, an executive knows that conflict is going to happen. It's like weather to pilots and blood to surgeons. I start off by talking about what can happen to somebody when they come under fire. And sadly, we've seen examples of this historically, where you can see somebody kind of come unglued when they get a question that they didn't anticipate and really display kind of an unpleasant side of their personality. And they've just, you know, let their public face slip and revealed what's underneath, which can sometimes be pretty uncomfortable for the audience when we see how insecure and and kind of mean somebody is. Uh, so in my training program about building a strong professional presence, I have some CEO bloopers. Uh, maybe we'll have a chance to talk about a couple of those a little bit later in the episode. Um, but yeah, you don't want to behave the way those guys did on camera or those uh, women did on camera. It's definitely poor exposure for you and something that when you look back on, you will certainly cringe. So how do you keep from avoiding those moments? And the first thing to remember is that you are in the public eye, right? So especially nowadays with cameras everywhere, and then everything that gets recorded often gets stored on the internet where it is kept forever. And so it's very difficult to unlive a moment or to have something simply go away uh, the way it could in the uh, distant past, which means, you know, the pressure is really on. And so keeping that in mind right away, that you don't want to give in to your instantaneous reaction of, well, you know, screw you. If you're going to call me that, then, you know, I'm going to hurl this back at you. You want to stay above the fray and avoid reacting poorly and exhibiting a disgraceful behavior. And so you want to maintain your strong presence. And that means that you have to stay cool-headed. And also, again, this is a wonderful service to people who are watching you. It allows other people to emulate you. You become a role model for how you handle situations where, when people are slinging questions or accusations at you. There's an example here, too, that I want to give 
um, which I, I remember this actually very well. I had just started as a CFO in a biotech company, and I was overseeing the 401k program. And, you know, I took a look at it. It seemed pretty standard and kind of par for the course. I looked at the investments and where the employees were. And I don't know, it all looked pretty good. I mean, at that time, the interest rates were low. And so the money market funds weren't doing very well. But I thought that was to be expected because of the interest rates. And not too long after I'd started, um, this uh, senior scientist showed up in my office. Now, this person was already, I knew, a very smart person, and he was pissed, which kind of alarmed me, right? Because if somebody this bright and this analytical is already mad, you know, that kind of set me back a, a little bit. He was very rough around the edges. Um, but, you know, I've always kind of had a soft place in my heart for people like that, partly because it makes them so forthright, too. And and I just enjoy being around people who say what's on their mind. And this day, he had something very significant on his mind. And he told me that these money market funds that we were offering through the 401k program were crap, and that it was really irresponsible to to present uh, such terrible options. He wasn't a believer in the stock market, and so he kept all his money in money market funds. And, you know, I was pretty taken aback. I mean, I had just looked at them, right, and they seemed okay. Um, And, of course, this wasn't just up to me. There were other professionals, allegedly experts, uh, who knew about these funds. And so, you know, I took a pause right there. It was like, well, is this the moment to kind of tell this guy that I'm in charge, I know what I'm doing, and, you know, I've got this, and you should go on to your back to your scientific ways. Or, you know, maybe I should look again. And so I took a deep breath, and I let all the harsh words um, flow off my back, and I told him I would follow up. And so I did. And I'll confess this now to you, my dear listener. He was right. Part of the problem was, and you know, this is back a while ago where things were less transparent in the 401k plans than they should have been and are now. And um, there were fees. There were hidden fees behind there. And so the employees actually were losing money in those cash accounts. I was really, really horrified. So we threw ourselves into a full review. We ended up switching um, both the broker because I was very mad that the broker wasn't aware or hid that from me and the provider. We just completely redid the whole plan. And I'm really, really grateful to him that he came and told us about that. And also, thank goodness, I just didn't blow him off, right, by with sort of a defensive knee-jerk reaction like, well, you know, I know finance and you don't because he turned out to be exactly right. There were some learning lessons in there for me, and so I'm going to rattle off a few here, see what you think. Um, This isn't the be-all and end-all of tactics to stay cool under fire, but there are some things that I have learned. So here are 22 tactics on uh, how to stay cool uh, from my book, You Not I, Exceptional Presence Through the Eyes of Others. And this is actually on page 165. For those of you who are following along at home, 
And the first one here is preserve the relationship. And this actually was really important uh, in the situation with my scientist colleague because I was going to continue to work with him. We were going to face all kinds of problems together, and we needed to trust each other, respect each other, have each other's back. And if I had started that relationship with a big blow-up that ended up with us uh, parting ways unhappily or mad at each other, that really would have damaged our relationship going forward. And it was really important to me also that regardless of who turned out to be right in this situation, in fact, in this situation, it was him, but regardless who turned out to be right, I wanted to be sure that even if he had been wrong, that he would feel comfortable coming back to me in the future in case he had similar concerns. So I wanted to be the kind of executive that he would feel he could approach and raise questions like this with, and that I would be serious, and that I would take those concerns seriously and investigate properly. And I wanted to be that kind of colleague to him, that he could come and chat with me. So it was really important to preserve the relationship in in this particular case. The second one I have here is eliminate your side versus their side. I think this may be a key point right now in the national conversations that we're having. I see there's so much that we have that binds us together and points that we have in common, concerns that we share. And yet somehow it's turned into a you versus me or they versus them. I'm a little confused by it. I think some of it is being driven by forces that don't have our best interests in mind. And it would be worthwhile to step back for a second and think about things that we care about. With regards to that posting about the schools reopening, I think one of the reasons that it got so vitriolic is about something that binds us together, and that is that we care about our children. And so issues having to do with schools tend to be very fraught and and very aggressive with both sides. But in fact, what we need to focus on is that we both care about our children and about our schools. Uh, Same for me and my scientist colleague. We both wanted to have a really excellent 401k program that would reap rewards for people regardless of how they invested, whether or not they invested in stocks or in money market funds. And so that actually was something we had in common. Rather than fighting with each other, we could work together to get the best possible plan that we could. And that's what we'd like to see with our neighbors, too, is that we all work together to get the best possible plan for our schools uh, to reopen. I have a friend who often comments when she reads about how divided our nation is. She says, I just don't see it. You know, if you look at surveys and statistics, there's so much that we all believe. I mean, there are just a number of issues that the majority is very agreed upon. So it's just a misrepresentation to say that our nation is now more divided than it's ever been. And I think she has an interesting point. And if you can take a slightly different attitude, then you can recognize the things that you have in common and get away from this your side versus their side. 
The third one I have here is remember you need every vote. Uh, I don't mean this in the political sense. I mean this in terms of that you need the support of people who are watching. This is especially true if you're in a public forum. Uh, But even if you're online where people might be looking to you for an example of how to react uh, to certain attacks, or uh, you may have an audience that's following you, or children that are looking for you to set an example. And so you want to be conscious that your behavior is going to be judged and that you don't want to present yourself in a way that will cause people to turn away from you. And even if they don't agree with you, I find that a lot of people are good at respecting your position, even if they don't agree with it, if you've presented it well and if you are respectful. And so preserving that respect and that support and that ear is really important in all these kinds of conversations. Empathy is an excellent tool in so many situations involving human beings interacting with other human beings. But this one is especially poignant if you can put yourself in the shoes of the other person, understand where they're coming from, and really think through what brought them to this situation that you find yourselves in. What has led them to hold the position that they hold or to feel as though they need to attack you? You know, what has come before? If you've walked a mile in their shoes, maybe what would you have seen? How can you understand uh, what they're saying from their perspective? And I think empathy is one of those really remarkable things that human beings uh, have compared to other animals, and they, it really can help us get along better, understand each other, and bring more civility and humanity to our conversations. Respect turns out to be such an important aspect of our interactions with other people, and I continue to be really amazed at how often this is brought up as problematic when humans interact with other humans. It's just Some people are just asking for a bit of respect, Uh, particularly employees. I find this is significantly important to them when they talk about how their managers interact with them. And they'll often say, they don't treat me with respect. And it's so strange. It's like, why not? You know, you've got a person here who works in your company, who supports you, who has a role to play, and yet they feel as though you're not treating them with respect. Why not? You know, what is the issue behind this that is keeping you from demonstrating to them how much you care for them and appreciate them and respect what they do? I'm hoping at some point we can have another episode about managers and employees. I'm starting to understand a little bit better what has brought this about from a historical standpoint, from some of the really interesting reading that I'm doing. Um, But it's clear that There's something really toxic and wrong about a relationship where an employee feels as though they are not being respected. There's something really wrong about that, and I think there's a way for us to turn that around. Take a deep breath. Uh, We hear this a lot, you know, count to 10, uh, kind of take a mental step back. Um, But I think it's really important because it gives your brain a chance to cope with what's happening in front of you. So if you're under attack 
Words are flying at you. You've got a bunch of different directions that you can go with this. Uh, your brain kind of goes into a, a fight or flight. Uh, you're trying to process what's happening. You're aware that there are audience eyes upon you. Take a breath. It gives your fantastic brain an opportunity to sift through various options that they have in terms of reacting and maybe choose one that is the best. And so instead of reacting off the cuff, perhaps emotionally, perhaps personally, uh, you have a chance here to reflect for a tiny moment and then present yourself in a way that will, of which you can be proud when you look back on it uh, future, in the future. One step back, and again, this uh, allows you to consider for a minute in a broader perspective, what's happening here? Why is this taking place? Uh, what are the larger implications of this? What are the potential ramifications? And taking that one step back mentally allows you to put this whole situation in perspective and quickly determine how you want to react to it. Stay positive. And this can definitely be tough uh, in situations when you're under fire because it can make you mad. And of course, that's not a very positive uh, emotion. But if you can look uh, at the situation in terms of what's the good that could come out of this, how can we turn this situation into a real conversation and have a real dialogue about important issues? How can we use this in a way that's beneficial for the future? And that's often the case, right, that these altercations, these conflicts, uh, these heated arguments are really about or should be about the future. How do we want to turn this situation into something better for our children, for those who come after us, for our planet, for our civilization, for human beings? And the way to look at, look at that from a useful standpoint, is to stay positive, right? What can we do that will have some good come of this? And then I also have here smile and nod. And depending on the situation, this can come off as a little bit goofy. But I see this a lot if you're having a conversation that turns a little bit sideways, maybe with a relative or even a good coworker. You know, just take a second here a nod to show that you're listening gives you a little bit of time. Uh, if they've kind of gotten off on the wrong foot where they are being a little bit more hostile than they intended, it gives them a second to to kind of check themselves and remind themselves, that's right, we're, we're still friends or we still have a lot in common here. So nodding is a good way of showing respect and that you're listening and gives everybody a chance to take a breath. And smiling can be appropriate if you're trying to lighten the mood a little bit, or they uh, say something that's a little bit more lighthearted, then you can smile to kind of get the conversation onto a different path. And a lot of times, smiling is just a good way of smoothing over situations and also leading into something that you're going to say next. So it's a way of showing that you're not offended, you're not mad, you're not going to bite the person's head off. Uh, instead, you're going to have a, a reasonable, rational conversation here together that's, that's uh, outcome-focused and positive 
And you can start that off by having a smile. Diffuse. This is one of the tools that I really think has turned out to be lacking in and how we coach people in how to have difficult conversations or in conflict or how to mediate situations or even negotiate, you know, learning how to diffuse a situation. And when somebody has gotten overly amped up, how you can help them come down from that without having them lose face but having tactics that are good in kind of bringing the whole blood pressure of the situation down, bringing the emotional level down, reminding everybody why we're all here, what the purpose is, uh, how we want to go forward from this. And instead, I see we, we seem to have just trained people in how to be even nastier at, at name calling and coming up with really horrible terms that we use for the other side, whether it's uh, Republicans or Democrats or whoever it may be. And, and so we use these horrible words, loaded words to attack other people instead of, you know, as I say, diffusing the situation, using calming words, finding common points, and uh, looking toward the future. Another one here I have is sincere honesty, not brutal honesty. I think being honest is sometimes underrated in these situations. You know, just stating how you feel, uh, what your uh, reaction to something is, uh, how you view a situation pretty matter-of-factly without a lot of emotion in it, uh, but in a way that shows the people who are talking to you or the people who are watching you being uh, talked to that you're a genuine person, that your intentions are pure, you do hope that there's good that will come out of this confrontation, not being duplicitous, but being very open and sincere about how you feel about something. I say not brutal honesty, because sometimes if we react uh, with brutal honesty, you know, we're going to flash back at somebody and, and kind of attack them for attacking you or uh, getting a little bit too personal or accusing them of something. And, and of course, your brain does come up with things like that, right? Like sort of these evil thoughts that, uh, that go into your brain, like, oh, they're attacking me now in, in front of her friends, or, you know, they're trying to embarrass me in this certain situation or they've gotten me in a vulnerable spot, and so they're going to attack me here. It's fine for your brain to think all those things because that, that's how our brains are, and there may be a lot of truth to it. But we don't want to say those things. They're, they are not helpful. Uh, so brutal honesty is not what you're looking for. In fact, in general, I'd say brutality is not the right approach when you're trying to stay cool under fire. Be an ally, not a critic. Uh, so again, having this notion that we're on the same side, uh, we're looking for a future that we both can like. And this, this is, again, where sometimes I find people, they've somehow been schooled in a completely different way, where they think it's their job to point out to somebody else the flaws in their argument, especially irritating is this whole let me play devil's advocate. Why? Who needs that? Tell me how you really feel. If that's how you feel, don't hide behind the devil's advocate thing. So be an ally, right? Be on the other person's side. And I think this can work well 
even if the person is making an argument that doesn't hold water, you can kind of walk through why that's the case and even help them make an argument that makes more sense. But again, you do it because you're on their side, right? We're all in this together. And it's not my job to poke holes in your arguments or make you look stupid. Ask questions. It's a great way of understanding where someone's coming from. Where is this coming from? Like, where is this attack coming from? What has brought you to this point? And again, a lot of times when you ask questions, do you discover that you have a lot more in common than you thought at first? Once you start unwinding the rhetoric and the uh, emotion behind it. Uh, So asking questions is a great way to get educated and show empathy. Emotional detachment. Uh, This can be very helpful when things get heated and uh, words are flying around. Just for a second there, you know, put your emotions on the back burner and remind yourself that uh, this isn't about you and you don't need to respond emotionally to this kind of compartmentalize what might be the hurt or the uh, pain or the fear of having been attacked. Just put all that aside for a minute. Have a rational review of what's happening in front of you, an analysis of what's happening in front of you, and then you can cope with that more logically. Uh, Having the perspective that this too shall pass, I think this is also a, a cool little trick to do when things are flying around, things have gotten crazy, just sort of as you take your breath, take your step back, put this in perspective, you think to yourself, you know, tomorrow this will be in the past. Sometimes things seem not quite as grave when you remind yourself of that, that life will go on and I'm going to be looking back at this in the far future and in the near future. And I want to come out of this having carried myself in as positive a way as I can so that I can be proud of myself and other people can be proud of myself. Anticipate tough questions. I'm going to tell a story here. I use some videotapes of some CEO bloopers, I call them, with my clients. And there's one in particular that's very painful to watch. And it's of a CEO who was going to launch a new electronic device. And his interview with a reporter is being taped. And she asks him about safety issues about the device. He opens his mouth to respond, and then you can hear kind of off mic, off camera, somebody objecting to the question, uh, saying, we didn't agree that this question would be asked, or we asked that this question not be asked. What are you doing? What's happening here? And because of this, or I'd say in part because of this, the CEO loses it. And so he starts berating the reporter, saying he doesn't have to answer that question, and what right does she have to answer that, and this is unacceptable. You know, his public face slips, and we see that he's actually kind of insecure and kind of mean behind this public face. Up until then, the interview has been going very well. You know, there are a couple problems with this. One is I kind of blame the CEO. He should have anticipated that this question would be asked, especially if it was clear from conversations before the interview that this was going to be a touchy subject. But even more than that, I really blame the PR person, the person off camera who was objecting to the question being asked. 
and in my opinion, that PR person should be fired because they that person should have prepared the CEO for the question. And remember, you know, this is the reporter's job to ask these tough questions. She wasn't doing it out of malice or to embarrass him or, you know, out of some kind of uh, mean-spiritedness. This is her job to ask questions that her audience wants to hear. And undoubtedly, somebody wants to hear if there are safety concerns about a new device. Don't take it personally. And this is much easier said than done, right? But again, reminding yourself that the situation of this person who's talking to you may not be about you. I mean, it's possible, but even if it is, it's not helpful to take it that way. And so to respond in kind and to react as though it were a personal attack doesn't get anybody anywhere, especially your audience isn't very interested in that, right? And so you really have to take that part of the conversation, set it aside, and address the facts and uh, subject at hand, the real issues at hand, not the things that have to do with, with you personally. Listen for the message, and this goes along with that. What is really being asked here? What are the underlying issues that we need to talk about? Uh, let's take away this kind of distraction about personal insults or who knows what all. What are the real topics that we need to address here, and how can we do that in a productive way? This will make you stronger, and I love this uh, tactic because even if you don't perform very well, you can remind yourself that practice makes perfect, and sometimes failure uh, leads to greater success because you learn from those painful moments. But if you can remind yourself in the heat of the moment, wow, you know, this is something that hasn't happened to me before. I haven't been attacked in public before. But I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to figure out how to respond appropriately to this and so that uh, good comes out of this. And next time this happens, I'll be better prepared. I won't be so rattled by it. I can think on my feet and move forward from this. Lay down boundaries. I think this can be quite helpful when uh, somebody is trying to bully you. And I've seen more of this lately, actually. And I'll distinguish here between two things. One is if you're testifying and someone is trying to get you to answer a yes-no question about something that's happened in the past. And we've all seen people try and wiggle their way out of those types of questions. And it doesn't come off very well, right? Because we're sort of aware that they're evading the question. But there are other times more recently that I'm seeing where somebody sticks a microphone in front of your face and then demands that you answer a yes-no question about how you feel about something, what you're going to do in the future about something. And the yes-no question just is not appropriate. It's not a good reflection of how you feel about something, you know, drum something down again to this kind of uh, their side and your side that just doesn't work when it's a complicated topic and a complicated issue, which many of the things we're talking about today are, right? There's a, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot to be thought about. There's pros and cons. They're not black and white issues. And often there are trade-offs. And so to respect our intellect, we need to recognize that these things often are along a spectrum. And so when you lay down boundaries, what you do is you 
uh, reinforce back to the person that you are going to answer this question on your own terms. And I think it's really lovely to start with a yes, but you can answer the question that you want to answer. Sometimes it's hard to do this in a sound bite, right? Because really what they're trying to do is trip you up and have a gotcha question. So then they can go and quote you and you can get canceled and all the terrible things that happen to you when you flub up. But I think there are ways in which you can kind of take the question back, make it be your own, and answer a yes question like, for example, yes, I do intend to investigate this. So that you're not being forced uh, to answer something or even come across as weak because you can't really answer the question yes or no. So answer your own question. And it sends a message, right? It sends a message to the bully with the microphone. It also sends a message to your audience that I'm going to handle this. I'm not going to get overwhelmed or intimidated by this situation. Um, but here's here's the correct way to deal with a situation like this so that we all can copy that and have more sophisticated and nuanced conversations. Explore the issues and alternatives. Again, if we can have a conversation, we can make progress. We can understand each other's point of view, and that and how we do that is with dialogue. Using empathy and respect to understand where people are coming from, throwing out alternatives, discussing, you know, having a real conversation, not a fight. And finally, help everyone save face. And this is just a lovely conclusion uh, to, to this topic. We're not trying to make somebody look bad, right? We're trying to understand where they're coming from. And so you don't want to embarrass your questioner. Uh, you don't want to humiliate them in front of an audience. The audience doesn't want to see that. I mean, there are certain elements that will enjoy that and, and uh, raise their fist and hoot and holler. But those really aren't the people that you want to impress. You want to uh, have the people who are thinking about this, who are trying to understand different points of view, appreciate what you've done. And if you can elevate the conversation or elevate people's perspective, even if it starts out as not being a very interesting thought, if you can bring out the nuance of it and point out uh, pros and cons of issues, then that really makes for just, you know, better discussion and better discourse and ultimately better solutions for our society. So there you have my suggestions for how to stay cool under fire. I hope that you will practice them. I hope that uh, you do find yourself under fire at times and can make good come out of it. It doesn't help us to always be conflict-averse because there can be very positive things that come out of conflict. And if it gives rise to good conversations and good discourse, then those are positive outcomes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Well, the pandemic isn't really over, but it seems as though we've moved into a different phase where our lives have a bit more normalcy. As a result, we're adjusting the format of the show back to fewer, more lengthy episodes airing on Tuesday and Friday, and sometimes on Sunday, since those Sunday literary episodes have been very popular. Speaking of which, our downloads have exploded during the pandemic, so thank you for your patronage. 
If you like what we do, you can support the show through our Patreon page. Another way to support us, which doesn't cost anything, is to follow us or like us on Podomatic.com, and that will help us increase our visibility. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a comment about who you are, what you like, or if you have a comment about the show. And finally, I also run a professional training company for people who want to advance in their careers with courses on communication skills, executive presence, and accent reduction. You can find out more at discreteguide.com, D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T-G-U-I-D-E. Please take care and let's talk again soon.